The following conversation is intended for mature audiences only. Those under the age of 18 or without a sense of humor, listener discretion is advised. There are all sorts of ways in which we love to do this. Welcome to the Mate Date Podcast, where we make the dates with our mates. We are back once again. Braden, welcome to the show, as usual. And isn't it great? Coronavirus is fixed. We can all go outside and gather. <laughs> At least that's what it looks like. We're all just uh, hanging out again. Isn't that fun? Yeah. I mean, it really does seem that way. You know, I went down to the shops the other day, and everyone's in their own, involved in each other's space. We're loving it. Without any concern. As long as the sanitizer pumps around, that's that's all that matters, right? Yeah. can run to that in cause of emergency. 100%. Yep, you need that sanitizer, baby. Yeah, that's it. Um, yeah, have you been you been out and about, like, down the dog park or... <laughs> they're, they're, probably, they're probably empty now, the parks. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't, yeah, I haven't really seen, but... Um, uh, but it yeah. seems like it happened a bit all of the sudden, and for perhaps reasons that aren't necessarily related to science and we're going to get into it so there's plenty to talk about <laughs> yeah. in terms of uh, our current situation here let me just put a little caveat here at the the top of the bookend of this episode uh, for those new listeners that have come along for the ride i'll reiterate something that we've uh, basically made clear since episode one we are idiots if you come to this show for any source of news or well-thought-out <laughs> opinions about how to fundamentally change and fix the injustices in society, you're in the wrong place. So go somewhere else if that's, the, if that's your goal. But, of course, in the spirit, again, of the first episode mm. where this show came out of the fact that quarantine was issued and we were bored and we're not going to not talk about coronavirus and the state of our world. And likewise, we're not going to not talk about the state of what's going on now and so we briefly touched on how the american uh, system was breaking down into lots of protests and because of the uh, catalyzing event of george floyd being murdered and the interesting thing is is that this has spread all over the globe so we saw protests as well in places mm. like london and new zealand and australia our our uh, home state here and so i think that gives yeah. us some license to at least you know give some a view of, of, of how it just, you know, this is an interesting phenomenon. So I'll just say that by way of caveat. We don't know what we're talking about, but we're going to talk nonetheless because, you know, we have to have some attempt at making sense of, of what's going on. And I'd, I'd like to try that exercise with you. And insofar as listeners understand that's what we're doing, it's the name of the show. It's a very frivolous attempt at just two mates having a conversation. That's what we're going for. So very, very clear there. And I wonder, let me, let me set this up with a bit of lightness before we dive into the more... Uh, perhaps perilous issues that we might disagree on, we might agree on, who knows. But I want to... Are you familiar with the idea of, like, a monkey paw? Oh, monkey paw. I uh, instinctively think of the wish... Yeah, 
yeah, giving sorry. monkey paw that right. yeah I remember it from a Simpsons episode. Yeah, so, so, yeah, that's it, right? So you have this idea of a monkey paw, you get three wishes, and the wishes come true, but usually in ways that are unforeseen and you don't actually want it in the end. So maybe you say something like, I want to win the lottery, but winning the lottery means that your grandma dies. I don't know, something like that. Something something unintended happens. Yeah. And you, get, you get your wish, but you don't. In the end, there's sort of a dramatic irony to it. And yeah, there's a cost to it, right? There's yeah, there's a consequence. Yeah, exactly. And I want to point out, I think my the interesting thing I've noticed about what's going on, both in the protests and the riots, is the ways in which the internet has fundamentally changed how this type of thing is done. And at least for me, this is the most interesting component: the way social media is interacting with what's going on on the ground. And I, ha- I have this really monkey paw moment where. There's two cases I want to I want to throw at you, and they're kind of from both sides as well, so they balance each other out. But there was the first case where a young girl was holding up a, a Black Lives Matter sign and put it on her Instagram, you know, very righteously, like holding it up, fighting the good fight, you know. And later is caught on CNN with a bunch of like from Target, you know, her favorite dresses and her little and her toys that she's just looted. And that was the first case where it's like, oh, you wanted fame, right? You wanted to hold up this sign and, and show everyone on social media how righteous you were. And and you got fame because everyone caught you. They, they caught you on the news. And so it's this unintended thing. And I'll, I'll give you another one before I, I throw it to you. There was a video. I don't know if you saw this one because this one was very viral. There was a video of a girl basically uh, holding this drill, pretending as if she was contributing to the rebuilding of the town the day after the riots and she got the photo she got the picture and then she thanks the builder that's lend her that 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 has lent her the drill for the picture says thank you very much oh that's great and the person recording just follows her get into her car and drive straight home and probably go straight back into bed or whatever she was doing and again uh, like the the video captured the license plate people found out who she was and i'm not apologizing for people harassing these young girls they shouldn't do that but it's this weird kind of like you you wanted to virtue signal and you wanted fame because of how you know whatever you were doing you were supporting the right cause and you exactly got fame but in the exact wrong way that <laughs> that that it came down on you so i thought this was like an interesting fact of what's of how people are approaching this and i wonder what what do you think of that the whole idea of people getting infamous off of their uh, kind of not accurate posting on social media about what they're really about, you know? Yeah, they kind of... It's really weird, man. Like, they're using the zeitgeist and and this whole movement, right, this Black Lives Matter movement, as a ripe opportunity to paint their picture online. And because everyone is uh, an author of their own story in their online space... They feel like this is, yeah, the perfect opportunity to smile for the camera and then go back to, I don't know, yeah, being racist. They, they, what you portray yourself to be online isn't exactly the truth and the reality, right? Right. Yeah. That's super fascinating, man. Like, I, I, I go to think of um, how our Prime Minister acts in terms of the bushfires and how, you know, he skipped country went to Hawaii where the country's burning and he comes back and he's going to these firemen looking for a, a photo opportunity with a handshake with one of them right yeah or with a couple of them and and just kind of being there for as long as the camera's filming and then probably just nicking off after that 
Right. It's just so disingenuous to the whole story and you're just there to make yourself look good. You're really just pumping your own ego, your own reputation. Yeah, it is yeah, that. It, it makes me sick. It makes me, yeah, it gives me a sick feeling in my stomach, man. I don't know. Yeah, I feel that too. And, and, and the thing is, I've I've spent a lot of time trying to temper that response because it's it distracts from the point, right? So, so yeah. we do feel a bit like, ah, oh, what are you doing? But that can become its own distraction. And so let's, like, I'm not, I'm not bringing up these stories again to, to you know, further bring any harassment to these young girls because young girls have it hard enough on social media. But I think in general, it's just, and I don't even think it's it's necessarily that they're racist behind the closed doors. I just think uh, social media, it's just another example that, and we're going to talk about this in the next segment, the way the internet has fundamentally changed how we interact such that it becomes like a virtue signaling thing to, to let everyone know you have the right beliefs to, and, and, and you know, that's, that's the only thing I could think of when you're posting something like that is to show everyone, Hey, I'm on the right side and give me whatever status or notoriety because of that. I think another fact to mention is that again, we saw this in Australia, right? In Australia, London, Germany, protests all over the world. And I wonder if you think this is, there's anything fascinating about that. Like, the globalization of American politics such that it's become a kind of spectacle for the mm. whole world. So so to me, just, just thinking about the reality on the ground with Australia's own racial issues on, on some level, and, and let, let's just reiterate here that all this is coming from a place of, of just love anyway. We're trying to figure out how to how do we organize billions of humans in a non-violent way to get along? And I should say as well, even though there have been, you know, clips of, of violence and, and destruction, on the whole, I am constantly uh, happy and positive and, and, and surprised that there isn't more violence because the potential is, is there for so much more. So it's still a remarkable thing that the majority of protesters, even in Australia, were, I saw a lot of footage that was just, just great, just people coming together and expressing you know, that, that their feelings, that, you know, they have been marginalized, there have been injustices, all that stuff is great. And Brisbane actually looked like the most fun where they had music and dancing. Look, that's my kind of protest. I'm with you. Um, I love that. Yeah. But there is something bizarre about a racially motivated instance of police brutality in a state in the, in, in across, in another continent with mm. a completely different police system, with a completely different, you know, uh, with, with, with completely different rules with respect to uh, police acceptance, right? Police training. There's an entirely different, different system. And in many ways, their system is much, much worse than Australia's. Australia has more training. And, uh, for example, police don't have to deal with the fact that the next person they see could have a gun, right? That's, a, that's already a massively different element. Um, policemen in, in Australia typically don't take their gun off duty. That's another massively different component. So this is just to, this is just to flesh out the idea yeah. that on the surface, I think it's kind of bizarre that there are movements happening outside of Minneapolis, even in the United States. But even but I can sympathize with that because there is a federal police force there that they're criticizing. It makes even less sense to me that there's stuff happening in Sydney and Victoria and Brisbane 
other than the fact that we have sort of tangentially re- related political issues and people want to use this as a as a force to express that fair enough but i wonder what you think about that it's been it's been kind of a weird thing that i've had to rationally deliberate on is is what what is the moral mm. value of protesting over here when the issue is nothing to do with australia's police force in essence right well the thing is with protesting elsewhere you you are pre- protesting for the american african american rights and police brutality and the black lives matter movement right but you can actually copy and paste that to our situation here and from what i've heard with our australian aboriginals they've had to they've they've received a lot of injustice from the police themselves so there's been deaths unaccounted for there's been police officers that haven't been accountable for their actions and something like 430 deaths which is which is like a sneeze in comparison to slavery and you know everything else that's happened all the injustice that's happened over in the US but yeah you're right it's kind of like I can see your point America is this stage of what do we do next it, it trickles out everything that happens right. there ripples across the world and yeah there's this like interconnected globalization that we can't escape from right and like it almost goes to the point that our culture's impacted or yeah. threatened because we have no unique identity anymore. I do see that. And, the, you know, there's a point in the book Sapiens that says, like, culture matters less and less. Like, race matters less and less now because we're also influenced by each other. And in this in this instance, yeah, America kind of runs, runs the roost and and dictates what we're next talking about in a way right like american politics is more talked about than australian politics or just as here you know among so, australians yeah it yeah. says a lot it is it is it's and it, it is exactly that isn't it it's this global culture that we are dealing with as a result of i suppose the internet right you know everyone's online that if you're a young person you're connected to the news you're you're getting it online you're getting it through these channels and I agree with you that America has this sort of bizarre influence on what we talk about and and just the fact that for instance we've adopted the BLM label is bizarre to me because that movement has its own political problems if you're willing to look into it just basically put it's not what it says on the box it's not just about equality for all races put it put it that way and so it is weird that we just adopted that political label so so what i'm trying to get at is i I agree i think we are impacted by america but at the moment it's for the worse right it's not it's not for the better because Mm. the real conversation we should be having if if this was a and i and i want to say again the protest footage that i saw was was more or less fine there, there was no you know nowhere close to what we're seeing across the sea but generally if we wanted to have a real conversation we have to come at it from again that humanistic level we have to you know, you're never going to build a movement that's going to last over the long term by saying divisive stuff or, you know, like the footage about uh, with white people kneeling and kissing the feet of black people. We can't have that. Like, that's not equality. You're either for equality or you're not. And I want to look, I'm not the best at expressing mm. my views on this. And obviously I would get the uh, criticism that I have white well. pigmentation on my skin, therefore, blah, 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 blah. But I want to I want to throw it to uh, Chloe Valdery. 
and I will say that her Twitter has been a complete refuge of sense on this topic. A young black woman with uh, putting forth a theory of enchantment that's a, a very interesting curriculum and makes music as well. I think she's uh, absolutely a, a leader in this instance, and she wrote an article for Arc Digital. She says, what do you think of this? Quote, when someone says that nonviolent protest is useless and that America is evil to the core, what they're saying is that they don't believe in those leaders of the civil rights movement. It means that for them, Martin Luther King Jr. Day is just another day off with no special meaning. Likewise, someone who frivolously uses the Bible, the sacred symbol of our nation's majority religion, as a prop in a public relations stunt demonstrates that he does not believe in the historical foundations of America, referring to Trump's little bizarre uh, stunt that he did there, gassing priests in a church. But back to Chloe. The, oh, oh, wow, I didn't hear about that. Oh, well, oh goodness, mate. Uh, that was another... Oh, oh, my, I, I thought you were about to say the bunker boy thing. you got to see that picture of him holding the Bible, man. He's holding it like he's it's burning his hand off. It's amazing. It's like it's, it's like he's Satan himself. Um, and so back, back to Chloe. The nonviolent activists of the civil rights movement had a moral, ethical, and strategic advantage that enabled them to overcome their enemies. Take the protests for the desegregation of diners across the country. To advance integration, college students, clergy members, and other activists practiced non-violence by voluntarily subjecting themselves to beatings by their peers. Prior to entering segregated diners, activists knew they would be beaten by white attendees. So they practiced being beaten first in order to develop the restraint required to refrain from hitting back. This was called soul force. And she goes on to explain wow. how soul force was yeah. a metaphor that, that the civil rights movement used to embody a kind of love for one's fellow human that went beyond, that went beyond their own that hatred and resentment, right? And, and, and I'm totally with everyone standing for protest and for change. We need change. We absolutely do. Especially on so many systemic you know things breaking down we absolutely need to come together and make intelligent changes to our systems of political justice making absolutely but what i'm thinking about is the limits of mobs right like i think mobs are the problem mobs in terms of people coming together into groups and the group consciousness taking over and i think douglas yeah. murray's the madness of crowds is like mandatory reading on this like everyone needs to know how good intentions are not enough for mobs to refrain from getting out of hand because good intentions and mobs are exactly the recipe needed and, and, and a divisive narrative about white oppression that is somehow not balanced out by the fact that abraham lincoln was also you know, a, a person in the history. You know, you have to have both sides of the story. But I wonder what you think of that, of Chloe's uh, idea of soul force there, communicating that that metaphor from the civil rights movement. What do you, what do you make of that? Is there something mm. to that that's missing from certain parts of today's, uh, I would say in, in places like Portland, where there's more rioting than, say, New Jersey, where I've seen cops dancing with protesters, right? It's different everywhere. Yeah. But, but in the most extreme cases where we are seeing this destruction and violence, do you think a bit of soul force might be a kind of antidote? I've never heard that term before, Jay, but it sounds very interesting and intriguing. I've heard of something along the lines of soul, like you have your mind, body, and soul, and spirit, but the soul is refers to how much you can take before you break. 
right? And having that that soulful tolerance allows you to be a resilient person. I mean, soulfulness and resilience to me seems to be a synonym. Yeah. And sure. I really respect that, what she's saying, and especially coming from an African-American woman, her voice speaks more volumes now than it used to almost, right? Like, we're, we're actually forced to pay attention to the minorities and, and the... Um, the, the groups of people who have been subject to injustice over this past couple hundred years. And this is kind of the moment where we're, yeah, beginning to, to listen to them more and more. And yeah, I, I totally agree that um, nonviolent protests are really the way to go forward because when, when it becomes violent, um, it, it kind of misses the point, right? You're, you're protesting in the first place uh, to minimize violence and, and to increase the justice, to increase equality. Yet, if it becomes violent, small businesses are then eliminated, terminated. You have people that are just innocent lives and innocent people are become becoming victimized through violent protests. It's just, it's so counterproductive to the idea of the protest in the first place, the the initial, you know, why it became, why it came about in the first place, and you know, if it becomes violent, it actually sets a bad example for the kids, for future generations, because they look at uh, the older people smashing things up and becoming reckless, and then they begin to internalize that that is the way to go forward. If, if they want something to change, they need to spit the dummy. They need to lash right. out. Um, whereas there's other ways to do it. There's more peaceful ways to do it. And honestly, by doing so, that's kind of the solution, the outcome, the end goal that we embody at the end of it because we've then harbored all this passiveness towards a more peaceful society. And I, I want to bring in um, Obama here because he had a really good um, opinion piece on this whole thing. Yeah. And he says, um, if the, we want the, our criminal... The real president of the... The, the real president, exactly. <laughs> the one that we yeah. could actually benefit from we, right now. We could probably listen to him way, <laughs> with way more respect than whatever Trump's... Ex right? Instead of the tear-gassing uh, leader. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, people. All right, go I ahead. I don't even want to go here, right? But yeah, Obama, he says, if we want our criminal justice system and American society at large to operate on a higher ethical code, then we have to model that code ourselves. And right. that is, be the change you want to see in the world. If you're violent, if you lash out, you're destroying property, people are vandalizing, it doesn't, it takes away from the point uh, that was in the, like, right. that you're trying to make the point that you're trying to make, the and the, yeah, just the, the properties of your actions will then reverberate throughout the solution. Right, right. And I think what you're, just going off what you're saying, part of why it is so confusing, right, part of why I refuse to just sign on the dotted line that, you know, and post a black square and just sort of vacuously endorse whatever it is, is because... You know, I think part of what we're seeing as well is a lack of leadership on all on all mm. uh, frontiers, but particularly with this movement in the places where 
there is violence and there is destruction of property, we need leaders to point to, to, to rein in the extremes of the mob, right? You need someone yeah. like a Dr. King to say, that's not us, right? What we're doing here is we're peacefully protesting for these principles because of this and these injustices, right? But if you're unable to point to, you know, the people uh, just basically cynically looting Target because they, they realize that the police force are distracted, they can get away with it. Or, or um, you know, and all these companies, well, I wonder what you think of this, all these companies just re- like posting these, uh, these sermons, like, I don't need to be lectured by some transnational company, <laughs> by some basically like endlessly capitalistic, you know, yeah. money, just completely focused on money and just... Like basically having for, forcing sweatshops in in other countries, I don't need them to lecture me on the the morality of what's happening. I and I certainly don't need them to. But but what's happening is they just feel like they need to say something to for again for their bottom yeah. line because that's that's all they're really motivated by. But it's fascinating, isn't it? How the mob can define the movement, but we all we all want like there are so many people. I think this is honestly like. Uh, a kind of a tragic of the commons however you want to put it where like the majority of us want change and peacefully want to bring it about and genuinely recognize that there have been racially motivated injustices but i think there are some of us too that want to say that's not the whole story and if you're only variable in explaining all of this this outburst across the world is race i just think you're not seeing you're not seeing the whole picture and if you're claiming that anyone who's claiming that there's more to this than race is a racist you're preventing any further conversation from starting about the economic inequality that we have rampant in society about the the fact that police brutality like when i saw the video of george floyd i didn't see him as a i mean it sounds trite to say but honestly his skin color is the last thing on my mind i understand Mm. that that's a that's a problem within those communities but just seeing another human being not respond to the to a to a human being pleading for his life and simply having no in no regard for that that's the thing that hits me the most and that's the thing that i'm concerned about is that we were all you know frantically worrying about hong kong and now hong kong is the united states like what happened and and we and and in australia of course we have problems with police brutality but i think it would be absolutely not only foolish but frankly inaccurate to say that it's anywhere close to as bad as the United States where police there have to basically operate under the assumption that anyone could have a gun. It's completely different. The dynamics are completely different. And uh, just one more thing, I really don't like the... I want to say two things, right? And they both Mm. have to be true. They both have to be true because we're human beings. The first is the majority of people protesting are absolutely peaceful and want just the best change and bring about it they don't know how but they're there because they they feel it and they want to help and some cops are racist pieces of shit are all cops racist pieces of mm. shit absolutely not and if that's your yeah. motivating if that's your uh modus operandi as a protest motivator is that all cops are scum moral righteousness will only get you so far right it will only yeah. get you so far. And that's what I'm trying to emphasize, that the only movement that works across time in a kind of game-theoretical sense, you know, to take that perspective, is common humanity. 
it's where it's it's that uh, that's the only perspective that's going to work because any other narrative that you're going to tell that privileges one race or species or group of people above above another you know you're hearing you're hearing calls now to defund the police well we'll see what that we'll see what happens then when you just leave a power vacuum and one group with all the guns gets to take over that's because that's what's going to happen. It's not as if there's any, you know, like the police. What, what's the alternative? Private police? Like, what, what, what do you... But the, but again, a lot of this that is coming... That sounds horrible. That sounds it's terrifying. Hor- absolutely horrible. But a lot of this is coming from, again, I love them regardless, but a lot of this is coming from young, naive, utopian anarchists who genuinely think that burning down the so-called racist oppressive system i actually had a family member post something that was akin to that where they said something like i'm a mixed race you know because our background is africa i'm a mixed race white person but i'm aware that australia is a uh, irredeemably oppressive uh it's like what are you talking what are you talking about because i (laughs) you have to laugh right you have to have a bit of gallows humor because yeah it's so absurd like i i know her obviously and i grew up you know in the same i'm the same age roughly and we grew up in the same relative cultures and that was just not the experience she had right we had multicultural schools with multicultural friends and in some ways we've made massive strides to realize the inner humanity of all people and i would love a skin color was just like eye color or hair color where it was just a cool feature that we that we were able to just nonchalantly discuss mm. but we do live in a world with real racial injustices we do want to fix those as much as we can but we get nowhere doing that by reducing everyone back to their skin color that's yeah. all that's that's the only way i can make sense of of what's happening so do you have anything to, to add there yeah yeah like uh i feel like with to be, get stuck up on race by itself is the most unproductive thing ever like we're trying to move forward we're trying to unite and we're going back to ancient times where we're the 50s yeah yeah where we're we're so hold up on something that we can't change ourselves like surely if we were to try to invoke change into society it would be something that we can actually control right yeah you know it, it just seems so counterproductive to a progressive society i can't think of anything more non-productive right yeah you make a good point with uh, the cops in australia because yeah n- the criminals don't have guns and Civilians don't have guns. <laughs> civilians don't have guns. As such. So, <laughs> so assuming that they have a gun straight away is kind of the last thing on their mind. Yeah. And so, I'd, I'm not sure. I'm speaking out of my ass here, but I'm. No, I, I'd like to think. I'd like to think that the Australian police would try to kind of just incapacitate them. Just, just uh, put them out of their movements and taser non- them. Non-lethal force. Train- yeah. Yeah. Right. Non-lethal. Right. Because. Why should they feel threatened? I'm not sure, but look, at the end of the day, police are essential to any functioning society as long as they're not corrupt, right? As long as they're effective, they're not abusing their power, and, you know, but the paradox comes with the fact that the police have to deal with the, the scum of the earth. They have to deal with the worst of the worst people in order for us to be safe. Right. And for them to do that, they're human, right? So yes. they're subject to trauma. And and I like to look at things objectively. I'm not 
on one side or the other. I'm not on. I'm not banging the drum for the police. I'm not banging the drum for the protesters. I, I, I see both sides, and I can honestly see the logical progression of why it got violent, why there were outbursts, and you know, to go back on what a uh, famous video of Tupac's like when he was very much in the Black Panther movement. He says, uh, you know, we, we knock on the door to get something changed, just politely, and we get nothing. There's no, there's no response. And so we're standing there still, and we're banging on the door. Still nothing. We're going to be kicking that door down, you know? <laughs> that's just where it gets to. And he's like, that's why it's outraged. And I can totally see that it's, it's human nature to kind of destroy what is standing in our way. Um, so you can't be blamed for that but all I'm saying here with um, trying to make it and remain peaceful is to yeah is to not let it get out of hand and and for for the things that we were saying before um, it's just yeah I, I think that we shouldn't get mad we should get educated that's kind yeah. of the, the baseline of like what I'm trying to get at here yeah, no, I think I, I see where you're coming from, and it's just like with being a police officer, you're absolutely right. A lot of them have PTSD, or, or they have, yeah. they have to deal with the absolute worst things you mm. could imagine. Just like how a doctor has to deal with all the disgusting sicknesses and blood and all that, all that stuff. Yeah, but, and that's going to have an effect on them. Absolutely, that's going to that's going to come back on them. And so, what that role demands is a kind of very well self-actualized human. That is, mm. that, is, that is able to hold that power in a responsible way. And clearly, like, huge amounts of the police force in the United States are, do not meet that standard, obviously. Now, again, yeah, we could have our own conversation about Australia's police force. I have no idea. I'm not educated on the subject. I don't know all of the intricacies of the, you know, the how to get on the force. or the. But I do know in the United States that the requirements are a lot of... You can take an online test, for fuck's sake, and you can in some sense mm. so it, it is as absurd as that and uh, you could tell by just their body shapes how uh you know i don't see many obese <laughs> australian i do see maybe occasionally but it's much more rare <laughs> so I, I think again if yeah. you want to have that conversation especially here we do not have to, we have to have it differently we have to have it more sensibly mm. and we don't want to be again influenced by america in the worst way because america has its own issues and is it has its own tragic polarization right now where it's so polarized where nothing can get done and thankfully we're not there you know we still have a when, when the government tells us to stay home we mostly are doing that right we mostly mm. did that but bar a few protesters uh, but it's, it's the same thing with guns you know we have that that uh, different mass murder yeah, yeah and government says right no more guns and we go right yeah fair enough you know yeah if that happens then yeah i guess we can't be trusted with guns Right, right, exactly. Um, and look, I'll just say this to end it off and we'll go into the next segment. Hopefully, it all, you know, regardless of what you have to say about the morality of violence when you consider yourself morally righteous, you know, regardless of our criticisms here, hopefully something happens as a result. Hopefully it's not all for nothing, yeah. right? Hopefully yeah. this does bring about genuine change. It's hard to see that, you know, what's going to happen when you have a president that's so inept and so lacks his own capability to love his fellow human like how easy would it would it have been for him to just be a hero right now it's never been easier for someone to be a hero right yeah. now 
and he, mm. he is incapable because he does not know how to love he's, he does not have the capacity to love he only knows strength and such that he's going to gas his own people right so I, I really mourn for my American brothers and sisters because it's tough man and I mm. hope leaders can pop up like Chloe and say what needs to be said and keep the mob in line when it needs to be because mobs are dangerous regardless of how morally righteous they are they are dangerous and we need to all just be continuously aware of like how again the string which that holds civilization together is uh is quite delicate but again yeah uh, hopefully yeah and, and yeah honestly this year this year uh, alone has really shown us that i feel like there's been a lot of inevitable outcomes or occurrences you know apparently coronavirus was an inevitability the fact that we were eating animals and not getting sick for so long. Oh, this virus yeah. was a long time coming, right? And it's kind of a wake-up call in that sense. And then in another sense, I feel like it was inevitable that we would have these riots, this this movement to be reignited, not only because of George Floyd, he was the, the peak of the yes, iceberg, yeah. right? There's so much build-up for that. Um, There's a lot of kindling. Yeah, yeah. So this was a long time coming as well. And the fact that they were bo- they're both just here mingling and in our face at the same time is very uh, ironic in a, in a way. And the fact that, you know, our time has run out at the same time for those two things. I think that's right. kind of unfortunate. And unfortunate, but, a, now, but now's the opportunity to fix it, right? Beautiful. 100%. All right, we'll take a break and we'll be back with the Internet of Beefs. All that we deal with here is very important. Welcome back to the Mate Dates podcast. We just did quite a uh, intense first segment there. We're going to lighten it up a bit with uh, this article. But before we do that, we should actually just mention we do have a mailbox open for the show at matedatespodcast at gmail.com. And Brayden, did you want to talk about why viewers could 
uh, or rather listeners could message mm. in considering we just talked about a lot a lot of stuff there and yeah do you want to add to that yeah look like jay said at the at the top of the show it's we're just two mates we're have we're aussie larrikins and we do our occasional casual google not very thoroughly so if not you want to get the story straight keep out keep our keep us honest <laughs> yeah exactly feel free to reach out to us yeah and and set anything straight that we might have gone a bit haywire on 100 percent. let us know what you think and i think we're both open to hearing whatever right the, 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 i think a lot of what we we're saying before in essence was we want more nuance we want more complex discussions because i think we both think that's the only way any of these issues get fixed you know we can't reduce them to sentences we can't reduce them to just kind of phrases uh even though phrases are great you know our brains love it but mm. we need to yeah be very and acronyms yeah you've heard of a a cab you know a- that one jay uh, exactly oh, yeah. exactly lovely yeah the world's not going to be fixed by a cab unfortunately we need to <laughs> genuinely reckon with the fact that there are good people in the police force and we need to genuinely reckon with the fact that yeah. there's an evil demon in all of us but let's get into the internet of beefs and it sort of does show how the internet has awakened a lot of inner demons for a lot of people and i think this is a very interesting breakdown so essentially uh venkatash's contention here at least in my view you, you tell me if you have anything to add mm. is essentially the economy of the internet is such that we have these we have these it's called the culture war right in quotes very very thick quotations it's called the culture war and there's this ongoing conversation. It's happening on Twitter. It's happening on Facebook. And it's a bunch of issues, right? I suppose the big ones, you could just sort of pluck out of thin air. Climate change, anti-vax, uh, abortion, uh, and even the racial conversation that we're now seeing leaking out of the internet and sort of exploding in the real world once more. But insofar as these conversations stay confined to Twitter, right? Venkatesh does an interesting breakdown of why these conversations haven't really gone anywhere. Like, why are we still talking about the same things in a lot of ways? Or if these conversations have progressed, they've progressed very mildly, right? And mm. his contention, I think, is that that's by design. The, the culture of the internet is such that it actually emphasizes conflict it reinforces conflict it's by design that we have say knights people who generate new views and sort of reiterate what they think on a daily basis on twitter or make videos on youtube to get you know money on patreon they sort of maybe pander to a certain crowd over and over the mooks quote unquote the, there's we have knights who, who sort of pander to the crowd of mooks and the mooks are basically us plebeians online that are just on twitter without a following like me i have less than 100 followers but i'm still tweeting right for, for, for why for what purpose i don't know so i'm a kind of mook in this scenario and what i do as a mook is i have all these beliefs and i have all these knights that i follow and i fight on their behalf so mm. you know let's say i'm an anti-vax <laughs> mook and i really believe that anti-vax is the answer so i adopt the, all those all those arguments and i become a mook fighting for the righteousness of anti-vax i might go after you know all these scientists online who are trying to clear the air about vaccines who are the experts and who are talking about how they are mostly safe in in terms of how they're done and that you know any sort of 
you know, uh, think think about autism has been debunked, right? I might go after those people because that's what a MOOC does in terms of uh, the internet. So so it actually encourages people to do this. And I, before I throw it to you, it does this just to clarify the mechanism here so I'm not just sort of tinfoiling it. Facebook and Twitter, uh, at least those two in particular, and Instagram to an extent, changed quite fundamentally in the last few years. You know, the internet used to be a very open source environment where the only content you got was the content you chose to look at. But because we are all residing in the cities of social media that we find ourselves, whether it be Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, whatever, TikTok, there is an algorithm underneath the surface that actually delivers you content. And what content does it choose to deliver you? The content that keeps you on the site. The metric that they use is called time on site. Does this piece of content maximize time on site? And if it does, meaning if you are outraged, because that's the best predictor of time on site, it will send you more of that stuff. So you might find with YouTube, if you watch one video about anti-vax, your whole homepage is just anti-vax mm. straight away. Um, and you could play that experiment because it's it's genuinely real. And so his contention, Venkatesh, Venkatesh, sorry, Venkatesh is making that point about the internet today, that it's actually reinforcing these conflicts. And that's why it's hard to have all these conversations is that we're also primed for conflict that we can't get past the as we were alluding to before the phrases and the you know the mm. words so what did you make of of the internet of beefs here oh yeah i'm, I'm really coming at it from an outsider because i do although i do have a twitter account i barely use it not as much as you i feel like yeah by design it's keeping you in there and you don't realize that once you're in the rabbit hole as well especially down that the YouTube one I can definitely relate to, even like a Wikipedia wormhole that uh, we all used to kind of go through. Um, I, I haven't as much, but it's easier to do so because once you become aware of it, I feel like it kind of disempowers what it's doing to you, right? Like you kind of shine the spotlight on it and it loses its power over you. That's one way of looking at it. but. But with the, the MOOCs, I, I was reading it because it says MOOCs a lot. I, I was saying MOOCs, but I, I don't know. What is a MOOC even? It's just like a squire. Yeah, I think that's <laughs> a squire a, that's, under the night. Yeah, basically. I think that's a, a good metaphor to have in mind. Basically like a plebeian that just thinks that they're fighting a good fight. But really yeah. they're just generating more conflict for the knights to mine for their never-ending you know promise of uh, you know we're going to figure this out eventually just keep listening to me keep keep sending me money i'll give you a little quote here so the reason why we don't have these conversations be more focused on how do we compromise how do we come together how do we solve the issue he says quote strategy is not just absent it is an outright liability since it might encourage negotiation and compromise, lower the social death body count of faceless MOOCs, inhibit GDP growth in the MOOC manorial economy, and worst of all, potentially end the conflict. End yes, quote. And the so worst guess, of the all scenarios. <laughs> yeah. And i got to say as well, like, I, I just laughed when I read this. Uh, like, yeah. It's just a very funny and very well-written piece. Um, and let, let me throw this at you. So... Another component here is that, you know, as I alluded to in explaining the algorithms, they reinforce outrage and this creates beef, right? This is another premise of, of the article is that the beef is, you know, that there is a virtue to having a beef, right? You could think of Xbox versus Sony or, 
Tupac versus Biggie, right? Beefs are interesting in sports even. Michael Jordan versus, you know, Kobe Bryant, you know. It's <coughs> fun to have these competing sort of things where we get really invested and we sort of have no compromise, right? That's what a beef is, where you're so committed to a point of view, you're not willing to compromise because you think this is, no, Michael Jordan was the best, man. You just, you don't, you don't see it like I do. And Xbox really is the best. You just don't understand. And you really go to fight for it. But the problem is, is that that's all the internet has become, or at least that's his contention. That in terms of the big public spaces, he does say that, well, maybe you can, you know, just, you can just, you know, go to silent corners of, of, of the internet in some, you know, forum that has a hundred people on it. But then you're, you've been effectively pushed out of the public sphere. It's not really a solution. You've just sort of given up mm. in the, in the most populated arena where, everything that matters is is happening like in that space so you can sort of leave it but then you sort of give the ground up in that in that respect and yeah. so i wonder what you think about just firstly like the nature of a beef is that a is that a thing that we can sort of play with in terms of like it does give us meaning but when we take it too far maybe it's a problem and do you think the internet in recent years as i do has become beef oriented in more exaggerated ways than we'd like, right? Do you, do you agree with that uh, argument? Yeah, I think that um, having a beef, yeah, it's like any kind of competition, right? And competition's good for productivity and innovation. Yeah. So it kind of keeps everyone accountable if they want to win the beef. If they, yeah. well, I mean, if there is any kind of win state. Yeah, exactly, sure. yeah. <laughs> but... But yeah, that in that in that component in that aspect, it can be beneficial. It can bring people up and not get people stuck in the same old dull routine, right? Kind of thing, right? So if there's an artist and they're they're still pumping out the same sounding albums, they're going to burn out because their audience isn't going to appreciate that that much. When you're when you're innovating. And when artists try new things, that's when it becomes interesting. That's when the audience is remained, the engagement is maintained. But, yeah, I can see, look, the thing with with having a beef and then being a mook is, like, your identity is really entangled with the the arguments, right? Right. It's kind of like, at one point or another, you have to just step back and say, who am I? You know, you get too <laughs> too deep down the, that rabbit hole that you even just lose yourself and anyone who opposes your opinion, belief, you then put into this survival response of fight or flight and typically it's fight when it comes to the internet. We're more likely to do that online. We're all anonymous. We don't have to actually say it. I mean, that's just... That is kind of this bypass that we have online that we're able to portray ourselves as something that we're not right and even though we we could probably chalk up that oh it's not my entirety of my identity it still very much is online like yeah you can always say to you and justify to yourself that it is just online so i can always step away from it right right and actually what you just said there let's connect that back to the first segment in a way the anonymity is the key, and that's what happens in mobs, right? Yeah. Especially with the mask on, you lose it. And 
just to add the other component it, on that end it's it's anonymity but it's also it's so easy to dehumanize uh people you sort of morally disagree with there's a special character to moral disagreement where it goes beyond just like oh you like uh, you vanilla and i like chocolate uh, but whatever no there's a there's a kind of when, when we're talking about beefs that go this deep there's a disgust there's a there's a there's like a a kind of feeling that that person is less valuable or less or has his opinion or her opinion fundamentally fundamentally makes them like somehow uh you know like gross or irredeemable but I, I really do think the disgust is the the best uh thing to go for here and there's a lot of work on the psychology of disgust in terms of how moral beliefs really induce a kind of you know, dehumanized view of someone else where we forgive the tendencies much more in ourselves when we, you know, have some sort of illogical view that we, you know, we, I mean, how long do you want to be wrong for, right? That's the real question. Aren't you grateful when someone prods you, especially a friend and says, hey, I think you're a little out of line there. Let me try and, let me try and, you know, fill the gap in your perspective where I think it needs to be filled. Isn't that a good thing? So th that's always the weird thing about the internet of beefs too, is that you would expect that these conversations would have at least progressed in some way or at least <laughs> you know have some sort of uh col collaboration and i'll go back to the article here quote maybe you enjoy the show but i suspect most observers are with me in concluding that the internet of beefs is largely bereft of aesthetic merit and infinitely more capable of producing cortisol than art i love that even the actual patterns of conflict are devoid of the sort of visible strategic artistry that might warm the souls of connoisseurs of the military arts. The internet of beefs is just relentless, ugly shittiness unredeemed by any actual cultural production. End quote. And so he's sort of indicating there that maybe in the context of a beef like an artistic beef, right, in a Tupac Biggie scenario, at least we get to enjoy the spoils of that conflict, right? Unfortunately, you know, it, it ended how it ended, but the the artistry that came out of it is truly special. And so much of art is born out of and created by people wanting to one-up each other and, and sort of show the other guy that he figured out something that they don't know. And now they're, they're gonna do this in a different way. So much of music is about finding different ways to sort of say the same thing, but in a way that shocks people or, and, and obviously, you know, in music, I'm going to kind of show my knowledge here of pop music, but the last beef I remember was the Drake Meek Mill, right? Wasn't that the well, last yeah. one? Um, so uh, were there, are, are there ones I'm missing? Can you help uh, fill in some? Oh, probably. Piece for me? Look, uh, yeah, I can't really. <laughs> well, just any, like, just in any context, like so, so games, yeah. like you know, you've got people that love Call oh, of Duty well, and Halo. Of, that um, was one for a while, and then you've got you know television shows where people get obsessed with their favorite show like rick and morty that was a whole beef cartoon for a while now mm. where you know if you weren't 200 iq you thought it was uh it, it actually that show became a kind of cultural uh like thing when it was just a, a very just funny cool. show yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was weird right yeah i think uh you can either go two ways on it right like if you disagree with someone's opinion you're disgusted right i i can definitely relate to that feeling because I used to be there, right? It, but I feel like I've grown so much since then and I've, I've moved on from reducing someone just to whatever opinion that they have and actually realizing that they're allowed to have an opinion I disagree with. And I'm just like I am as well. It's like it's this deep, deeper truth 
that we're all entitled to our own opinion and the fact that we are means that we're connected in more ways than not right so right. yeah I, I I see that I see the bigger picture a lot clearer rather than just getting yeah stuck in the cortisol highway of <laughs> the internet <laughs> and uh, and that and realizing that that's really a self perpetuating thing like the more stressed out you are the more likely you are to attack someone and that person is more likely to retaliate and it's you know you're just kind of fighting each other down into oblivion into this pit of 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 something that really really matters but that's a hell realm doesn't at the end of the day that's a hell realm right there yeah yeah right there it that it's it's the guise of this argument this beef yeah um yeah it it really just it's a distraction method and it's Mm. also yeah, like you said, the the time on screen, that's scary. It's like it's like if um, it's like how privatized prisons are trying to keep their prisoners inside prisons, yeah, and not let them go. I mean, I mean, and and um, convicting people based off trivial and Margins. petty crimes. Oh, yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, right? the incentive structure is so backwards. Uh, and and what you said about in terms of giving people more room to disgust you, put it that way. Yeah. Right? That's so important because, like, the way I see it is, you know, you can you can hear a view you don't like and get upset and call the other person, uh, you know, all sorts of things, all sorts of names. But the way I see it is, here's what we're trying to do. We have a consciousness, right? We have this conscious experience of the world. And what that consciousness is, fundamentally, is a reduction valve, right? There's this absolute infinite amount of sensations to take into one's conscious experience. And part of the function of a human mind is to reduce all that experience into something I can use to function in the world. And maybe that manifests in languages or certain images of things and concepts. So that's the first layer of, of, of what do I want to say? That's the first layer of funneling that happens. Here's the second layer. I have all these thoughts. I have all these concepts about what I want to say, how I want to say it. I'll, the person that I'm talking to, even, it's gonna, I'm going to change what I'm going to say based on the person I'm talking to to try to placate all their emotional needs and try to figure out how to best say a certain thing with the certain rhythm to penetrate because I'm just trying to communicate an intention. That's the second funnel is that I'm trying to use language, one of the most like reductionist like pathetic <laughs> expressions of how to communicate right it's so right. it's so bad in terms of like even the english language right is is even worse than say other symbols that we could use right like say a video like language is so so there's two layers of funneling i have to do to try and communicate a point and maybe i'm being insincere maybe i'm being sincere the, but the point being is that i if i can recognize that in myself I can understand that everyone is playing this game too. And it's so hard to express yourself in a way that actually communicates what you mean. And I Mm. think because of that fact and because of the Internet of Beefs being that it is, there needs to be just such a layer of understanding and patience that, like, you know, we need to recognize how ready we are for conflict in this way, how ready we are to pounce. And we need to always 
temper it down and say, no, this person probably is, you know, might have a point, might be good intentioned. If we come to the conclusion that they're definitely not good intentioned, then we have to take a different module, right? We have to go a different route. But if we, if we do recognize that most people, most of the time, are just trying to live happy lives, just trying to figure it out for themselves, we can, as you said, limit the conflict that we have by simply just recognizing that it's hard. It's just hard to have these conversations if they are mm. on sensitive things or if they are about a beef. Because when it comes to beef-only thinking, it's so easy to just be attached to your side of it. It's so hard to... put it down and just see it for what it is which is just as you pointed out something you identify with and if you identify with it that's fine but don't identify with it so much that it's the that you've reduced it as you mentioned to your being right and maybe this is a good point to bring up a bit of buddhism what you mentioned about (laughs) you know gratification it feels good when i pounce right it feels good to satisfy that feeling and so i wonder if you think about gratification is there something to be said there? Yeah, exactly. It, what you've said about being primed for conflict and the fact that in our modern day society, you know, notwithstanding the riots and, and everything else that's, that's currently happening, but in our modern day society, we're living pretty luxuriously and without conflict. Conflict isn't necessary. We're not hunted or to be hunted kind of thing right and so we're lacking that in our human experience we're lacking this conflict and so if you look deeper you can actually see that they that we're actually searching for it we're searching for this moment to put someone down and to rise raise ourselves up and yeah you tapped into it it's the that's the animal realm right there that's that's the instant gratification you get from the animal realm rather than willing to depart from your point of view in order to expand your education and your knowledge just by accepting accepting that you might have been wrong mm. and that seems to me to be more of a delayed gratification in form of the human realm somewhere that we can actually make real progress and have these real conversations that are going to elevate our way of life and and improve our quality of living. Right. Yeah, and mm. maybe the the only takeaway there is just don't be that kind of don't give in to those more animalistic impulses, right? Don't be a yeah. mo- don't be a moon. Realize them for what they are. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, you can and, you and, can, the, uh, and there are other opportunities. I mean, that's that's the basis of the animal realm is getting stuck in that routine and doing the same thing over and over and what is that that's the definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over and expecting a different result right and the results the same the result is conflict and it's always going to be conflict so realize that there's a vast array of opportunities out there is part of breaking down that animal realm and part of the departure from that right yeah I wonder if there are people out there, though, that just, they get so much reinforcement from just staying in that sort of animal outraged mode. Like, I I do know of people that they just spend so much time arguing with people, whether it be online. But even, again, I think this also connects in a, in a kind of roundabout way to the 
to the phenomenon of people feeling the need to sort of I, I you know virtue signaling is a loaded term today but you know I, that's what it is in terms of letting people know that you're on the right side right that impulse to be on the right side it's a new thing because social media you know it, it it's really forced a lot of people to just constantly have a message constantly have a view constantly have an opinion and if you pick the wrong opinion but the truth is you just don't need to be so invested in the ongoing debate because the ongoing debate the the quote-unquote culture war is fictional it's not real it's just this Mm. it's it's unfortunately what the internet has been reduced to in terms of twitter and facebook and these sort of mega cities of social media where we all have to inhabit but i don't know maybe with enough blocking and muting we can create our own sort of vantages on them maybe that's possible mm. but i i do love the contention here that it's it's very difficult right the whole point of this article is is unpacking how difficult it is because maybe you don't want to be a mook maybe you want to sincerely engage people that you disagree with online you know there's that amazing story about the uh, Westboro Baptist Church lady. I'm forgetting her name, but I think it was Megan. Uh, Megan. Yeah. yeah. Uh, what was her for? Uh, Megan. Uh, Megan. You know the one. Everyone knows the you one. You know the one. But but the, she her, got away. Her, she got away. And how she got away? She, a person on Twitter argued with her and convinced right. her that he was a good person. And guess what? They they're married and they're living a happy life. And yeah. And so there's there's always that to social media. Mind you, that was around 2013, 2012 when it started turning. But <laughs> yeah, it's. I think it's just hard. Maybe you don't want to be a mook. Maybe you want to sincerely engage with people like Megan uh, was, and and still is. But it's difficult because you're going to still get mooks coming at you for just saying something that they are on the other side of the beef of. Whether it be, you know, there's a YouTube beef right now between, unless you're in the YouTube zeitgeist, you won't even know what I'm talking about, between H3H3 Productions and DJ Keemstar. There's a whole... and, and, And... so they're making videos about each other and then around that all these other people are making videos giving their commentary on the videos and it's like that's a great example this is just about two people not liking each other it's like high school it's like we we left high school and it and it migrated to the internet it's like we and and but here's the problem what is the opportunity cost like what could we be talking about yeah like imagine because the conversations happening on the internet in the early days as well were these kind of frontier-breaking ideas about religion, uh, potentially, you know, uh, advances in all sorts of well-being, with respect to consciousness, with respect to expanding your mind. And it's just interesting because the debate that we're having definitely takes the place of something else that we could be talking about. And I guess the question I have is, like, what is the value of the internet? If you were someone like me and you were very idealistic about it, it's very sad to see what it's mm. become. Mm. But maybe... It's hard, it's hard to argue for it now, right? It's, it's hard, hard to, actually... to argue for it, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Do you have anything to Because it was add? easy in the, in, the, yeah, in the early days. It was easy to. It was this exciting opportunity to yep. express your opinion. But now when you express your opinion, it's suppressed. You get attacked. You get cancelled <laughs> to say goodbye to your Twitter account, you know. Every tweet after that, they're going to fall back on this 
the, the initial tweet that got you so much hate in the first place. Right, and maybe it's... maybe you survived the cancelling, right? I think, um, mm. you know, I, I don't know, um, don't know how much you followed him, but Jordan Peterson is a great example. Oh, yeah. Because... Not too much. Yeah. Yeah, vaguely. well, the tragic thing about him is that, you know, he could he could really say something worth saying right now, you know? Like, based on yeah. his whole message before, which was kind of, you know, in essence, at least one of his messages was, beware of the demon that resides within you, right? That mm-hmm. That is a message we could all... We could all benefit from, regardless of where we find ourselves on, on whatever side. But unfortunately, you know, he's had a lot of personal struggles with drug addiction recently because, you know, he's, he's been a victim of these anti-anxiety drugs that are, that are I think, essentially like benzos. And, and they're hard to get off, basically. And, and he had a very bad withdrawal. And so he retreated from his public life. And I think it's unfortunate because when this news came out, all of the people who only saw him as a racist pig or what and i don't know how they would caricature him but basically that use the opportunity to swarm Mm. in his most vulnerable weakest moment they used it to harass his daughter continue to harass him and it's just it just it goes to show you that like what you're saying in terms of you know how do we fix it how do we get to a better place where we can genuinely engage and share our views it's the mooks that are the problem in that way. It's it's the people that just feel no again anonymity and dehumanization. They feel no problem just because someone is expressing a view that they that they think is so reprehensible that we need to harass them or we need to like bully them out of society or, or what the word you use cancelled. So so that's what I was going to say. Jordan Peterson survived the cancelling, right? He still mm. he, he definitely survived. But in order to survive it, you have to buy into all this harassment and bullshit. And it's so, like, it doesn't have to be that way. Like, someone as, who I think is, is as wise as him, who really society benefits from his insight, from sharing his mind, uh, you have an interest in hearing what he has to say. And you do no one any benefit by <laughs> harassing him and... I don't know, doing whatever you do, like swatting him. That's a that's an internet phenomenon of swatting people's houses, especially on Twitch, where it's a huge problem. It's just a very, very interesting period of the internet that we find ourselves in. And I do wonder 20 years from now when we have a younger generation being primed that this is what the internet is, does mm. this get does this get worse? Do we become more beef oriented? Do we hit a sort of threshold where we say, Okay, this is too much. Can we just have a space where we could just talk without everyone yeah. jumping and pouncing at every point? Um, but I have another quote here, and I'll, I'll throw it to you, and we can wrap it up. So okay. this is from uh, the article again. Quote, building off this MOOCs point, it's all about the MOOCs. It's always been about the MOOCs, about the economic and political opportunities presented by the curse of downcycled human resources available for one last long harvest before the machine butlers replace them. To mint a MOOC is not an act against history, just a gentle nudge to accelerate an almost inevitable outcome. So the question is, where did the MOOCs really come from? Uh, end quote. So what is your answer to that there, Brent? Where did the MOOCs come from? Where did they come from? <laughs> they come comes from people who don't know who they are themselves. So they're looking for some way to attach their identity onto something. They're looking to find a sense of self and purpose in attacking others. 
and it's unjustified. Like, I feel like if a lot of these people attacking Jordan Peterson, for example, right, actually took a page out of his book and and read some of, and listened to him and re- you know read some of the stuff that he's written, like, yeah, you'd kind of understand. A, you'd have a bit more in- insight into his mind and a little bit more compassion towards him. I'm sure because he's actually said in the past that that we always look for the bad in things you know looking for the good in things is kind of expected so that like just expecting the good to happen is in itself just an expectation and if it's not met then there's cause for alarm but if there's good met and that's satisfied then we're then we're looking for the next thing to be uh, to be upset about right and so with that with all the hate speech that he's received for to himself and his daughter that's all he's seeing if that's all he's seeing then that would have a tremendous effect on you know we we, the youtubers would always say and and twitch streamers they always say that the one bad comment gets to them that's That's the one thing that really drills into their heart and all of the love hearts around that are kind of ignored to an to an extent, they take it for granted. So, I feel like, yeah, we could all. The, the answer, the the solution to this is very tricky. It's a sticky yeah. situation, right? Oh, mate, it's it's the stickiest. Yeah, it is. It is. It's, it's I don't hard. know. Like, yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe we should all just. Maybe the the future, twenty years from now, is that we keep jumping ship. And finding our own little peaceful island until that eventually just gets overrun, and so we're just creating <laughs> all these. I think of you know subreddits, and they're basically yeah. and the small ones, the small ones are especially, but the big yeah. ones can be as well, like PC Master Race or something like that, where it's just an echo chamber. Yeah. Where it's just you, you just are seeking somewhere, some place online that is agreeing with you, that everyone shares the same opinions and thoughts. And it kind of gives you a sense of stability and, and reassurance that there's no one else out there with any opposing beliefs. And if you keep that in your consciousness, if you keep that keep um, existing in that realm, then you're not going to be upset and, and, you, and you justify and you, you kind of trick yourself into thinking that that's the entirety of the population. Right. That's the entirety of the human opinions and beliefs are my own. And you so get you, you get walk around life thinking, just lying to yourself that that's all that there is. Yeah. Ah, oh, I just want to I want to add one more point to that because yeah. you also get comfortable with the idea that social interaction is just. The only purpose is to just confirm what I already think. Like it's been so. It's I'll, honest, I'll be honest with uh, you. At the end of this, man, it's been bizarre so for me. Like in terms of my socialization as an adult, because all of my impulses as a young adolescent and as a kid was that you know disagreement is good. Like it makes me smarter. It's like I would my my method of engaging with others was, was very much uh, like let's prod, let's figure out what we could talk about because the tension is where we we have the most to grow and understand that's how we mutually benefit each other so if we get into some 
you know, not heated like, argument. Well, yeah. that's the thing. Like the word argument, I had to learn that people have a negative stigma with it because an argument yeah. to me, you have two outcomes. Either I get to sort of test out an idea that I'm that I've got against yours, and we can, and and I'm sort of maybe maybe I'm confirming the strength of it, or. I get some new information and I actually get to enrich what I already knew. Those are the only two outcomes. Any other outcome is just a animalistic hijacking of the actual ideas being discussed, right? And so I'm not saying I'm, I guess I'm bigging myself up with some big brain 200 IQ. Like, right. that's not what I'm you, getting you at. You're ahead of the curve. Honestly, you're ahead of the curve. That's man. not what I'm getting think, at. But, uh, but uh, more well, people are ready for arguments. More people are ready to have the, the tough conversations because they do realize now, especially our age so. group, they yeah. do realize now that it's more, yeah, an opportunity to learn and grow. Like, right. once you learn that about the comfort zone and the fact that we try to keep ourselves in there, we do everything that we can and, and that is the animal realm. Uh, there's no room for growth and development and as soon as you step outside of that and challenge your beliefs um, and what you think you know that is when the education the learning and and the enlightenment can start right yes and another antidote against the beef mindset is to just realize that your thinking about most things is probably flawed right You, you have your own limits with respect to rationality you know you know we have this tendency to think everyone else is irrational and i'm the most you know if if the word were only like me <laughs> and it's like that impulse is the problem it's like you need to <laughs> be aware of that and like you know understand that the impulse to agree and to be a part of a tribe that never challenges you is the default so you have to fight against that mm. if you if you want to grow as a, a if you want to develop your human human potential, you have to fight against yeah. that impulse to just, you know, have a bunch of head nodders around you, just agreeable people. It's one of the things that famous people actually, like, hate when they get, like, a entourage. They can't trust anyone. Likewise, if you're a king, you know, all the people just pl- placating you. It's a miserable existence. Marcus mm. Aurelius talked about in his in his meditations about how, you know, he had to like really put people at ease when they would just want to placate him as the king and he would have to be like look we're just trying to sort out this problem i'm a human being let's just like you have to do that because the role attracts so much blind following blind following yes yeah i like that and and i was just thinking of alan watts here where he's saying you continue to chase pleasure over and over again and eventually you want to put yourself in a position right, where yeah. it's life-threatening, where you actually like you're not so comfortable and just you just so you can feel alive again. Yeah. There's a certain numbness that comes from that, isn't there? Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, look, anyone that's had all their their pleasures for you know a long period of time, whatever it is, you definitely get sick of it. You definitely feel like you know. That, I think that that is his his whole point is that if you could dream an infinite amount of dreams, eventually you'd want the experience of exactly what you're doing right now, or or at least that, oh, yeah. that would be entailed. You know, you wouldn't you wouldn't want an endless, just drip feed Wally esque you know pleasure uh you you don't want that fundamentally you know you want that in a short-term sort of sense as a as an ape with a with a dopamine system but in the grander scheme in terms of you transcending those very human impulses 
you kind of want to maybe do something great with your temporary little time span that we get. And uh, I noticed my romanticism peaking at this moment, so we should probably wrap it up before. (laughs) (laughs) But do you have anything you want to add there to the Internet of uh, Beefs by Venkatesh Rao? Yeah, I think, look, ultimately it's just, it's shallow and disingenuous, you know? It's, Hmm. it doesn't, it's not an environment where any progress is going to be made and if there is some progress, it's laterally. It's not, it's just moving on to the next thing and then spinning that hamster wheel. (laughs) Beautiful. Spin the hamster wheel, boys. And we'll see you on the next Mate Date. See you there. Entirely content. In the real world.